with Harry Broadhurst and Tony Asidio. here for a few seconds here. <laughs> Tony's phone is dead, everybody. He'll be in shortly. <laughs> of course it is. Welcome in, everyone. The Raw Reaction, July 21st, 2014, here on Powerhouse Radio. I am Harry Broadhurst. Tony Acero will be joining me momentarily, and what an episode of Raw we have to discuss for you guys tonight. So many major happenings coming out of a seemingly relatively status quo battleground pay-per-view. And I actually got the name of the pay-per-view correct this time because, you know, I'm improving on these things. <laughs> but as I was saying, a seemingly status quo battleground pay-per-view, which left a lot of the fans here in the Internet community, and that is what we kind of cater to here on The Reaction, disappointed in general with the product, and specifically the fact that Dean Mambrose and Seth Rollins was advertised and then not yet delivered, but we took another step towards the eventual telling of that story tonight on Monday Night Raw, and I'm sure me and Tony will get into that once he gets on here. So, real quick before we get into the episode, and since I have to wait a few moments for Tony to arrive anyways, what I'm going to do here is I want to send a special shout-out to our friends at Wrestling to the Max. And a guy who usually sits in with me on occasion on shows that Tony can't make, and that would be Sean Garmer. Sean Garmer. Is brought to you by Wrestling to the Mat. Well, the boys from Wrestling to the Max are going to celebrate their 100th episode tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on... They're wrestling to the Max Facebook page. In addition, you can find them on iTunes and Spreaker and TuneIn and Stitcher and all those other fine affiliates they are. In addition, they'll also post the show on 411 Mania for you to listen to as well down the road. But I just wanted to make sure that I got that in real quick here before we got any further into the show and while I was stalling to make some time for Tony to arrive here. But anyways, everybody, how you been? What did you guys think of the... Uh, the Battleground pay-per-view, and in addition, what did you guys think of tonight's Monday Night Raw? As I, as I said at the top of the show here, I thought it was a loaded Monday Night Raw, and we're definitely starting to set the stage going forward towards SummerSlam, which I expect to be a huge deal. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take a brief break real quick here. We're going to give Tony a few seconds, and then we're going to come back and we'll officially kick off this particular edition of the Raw Reaction. You are listening to the Raw Reaction here. Actually, we don't even need to do it. I'm going to send you guys to a quick break here, but it looks like he's joining me just in time. Hey, Tony, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. 
All right, I was just getting ready to play some music and stall for you. I welcomed everybody in and plugged our buddies at Wrestling to the Max who celebrate their 100th episode tomorrow. 100 episodes? Jesus. Yeah, I know. I think we're on, like, 12, if that. Yeah, give or take. I don't think we've even... <laughs> Sounds about right. We started back in April, so 12 seems about accurate. What's going on, yeah. Tony? Oh, you know, just living the life. Living the life of the dead cell phone? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, mine's plugged into the charger while I'm talking right now, just so that way I can avoid that particular thing happening to me as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I actually, uh, Mondays are very busy. I have to travel. Uh, I go somewhere to watch Raw with a friend. I come back to uh, home to do the radio show, and then I either go to work or go to my parents' house to uh, help babysit. So it, it, Mondays are crazy. And I gotta fit this show in without, you know, which typically happens pretty flawlessly. But at times, you know, you get a day like today where I forget to charge my phone because it takes a lot of battery to look up AJ pictures, apparently. <laughs> Especially to throw them into a report that you're trying to type in on the laptop. <laughs> yeah. Larry hasn't fired you yet, has he? I believe. Irrelevant if he has. <laughs> no, I don't think he'll ever let me go. <laughs> He just doesn't want to do what you have to do on a regular Monday basis. But actually, we have a pretty good episode of Raw to talk about. So, hey, Tony, let's talk about Raw, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So we did our predictions for Battleground. And I'm going to take a brief moment to celebrate, not a a boo-boo, uh, Harry 2, Tony 1, as far as the pay-per-view count goes. Yeah. But I called last night that Paige and AJ, I thought that AJ was going to retain, and I thought she was going to win with a roll-up and Paige attacking her after the match. Well, I missed by enough. The, the finish in the tag match was different. AJ, for those who, obviously most of the people listening saw Raw, but if you're listening to us on a delay and you haven't had a chance to catch Monday Night Raw yet and you just want to hear about the show, if, you, if it doesn't fit into your schedule, you just want to listen to us and hear about the show. Uh, AJ and Paige teamed up once again tonight to take on the team of Natalia and Emma. And I must say, Emma stole the show. That joke is never going to get old. <laughs> and AJ taps Natalia with the Black Widow after hitting her right in the face with that uh, cold call to the Shining Wizard. It's actually more of a leaping knee strike. It's not really a Shining Wizard. She doesn't jump off of the knee. But regardless, I know AJ's your beloved. You'll defend her to the death. Moving on. But the big thing to come out of this year is perhaps the birth of the Anti-Diva, as Paige just lost her shit on AJ after the tag match. Uh, how do you think it was handled, and do you think this is the right time to start the big the big build-up to SummerSlam for these two? Yeah, of course I do. First of all, um, solid match for both of them. I thought that uh, I, I did watch their match at Battleground quite a few times, and as much as I love AJ, there was a lot, I, I don't know, there were just certain things missing uh, in the match that I just felt weren't touched upon or weren't done. It, it seemed like a, fir- a literal first match, like they've never done it before. Um, so I didn't really like it too much. Uh, tonight's match was much better, had a lot more going for it. And it was one of those things where you kind of knew it was going to happen. But seeing it happen wasn't any less fun. Uh, it, it, this is a beatdown that we saw. If you were to compare it to the beatdown to, uh, let's say, Nikki Bella, which one looked more appealing, which one was cared for more about, uh, AJ's was. Uh, you know, not just for me, obviously. I thought it was great. I think that, you know, it started off with the headbutts and then Paige screamed and went all crazy and tossed her across the announce booth. Uh, 
it's a rarity that we see the women get this uh, physical, and who better to do it than you know wrestlers like Paige and, and uh, AJ. I thought I thought it went well. I loved it. Of course, I'm interested in the build. Of course, uh, the match. There was the one moment I forgot what happened exactly. Um, I believe. Uh, uh, what was it? Okay, so uh, I believe it was when Emma um, grabs the leg of AJ, and AJ just like lands on all fours and arches her back. And let's not get too descriptive, but. Good Lord. <laughs> At that moment, many of Sarah's died. Anyways. <laughs> oh, that's as family-friendly as I can phrase that. <laughs> the reason on it was, as soon as AJ came back, we knew it was going to be AJ and Paige at SummerSlam. But the question you had to ask was, were they going to continue the respect angle, especially after they didn't blow the top on that at the Battleground pay-per-view on Sunday night? Obviously, we've found out now that they aren't going to go with the respect angle, and they're going to go with the angle of Paige wanting to let AJ know that since AJ left, Paige took over, and this is still Paige's house, as Paige repeatedly screamed at her. I agree right. with you. I thought the Battleground match was a little clunky, and I don't necessarily blame either woman there because a lot of people had an off-night at Battleground on Sunday. There were several very noticeable exchanges that looked off in, the, in several of the matches. Jericho and Bray Wyatt, for example, was kind of surprising to me in how clunky it looked. And then you had that made up for tonight with that beautiful backstage segment with Jericho just selling the bejesus out of Sister Abigail into the locker. The crumble yeah. sell that Jericho did for that was fantastic. But anyways, I'm a known Jericho-holic. It's, I'm going to kiss his ass a little bit here. But anyways, back to Paige and AJ. I think it makes more sense to do it this way here is because you know that you know that Paige, AJ was completely insincere about the way she went about her return here. And you have to think that Paige is smart enough to have seen through that. But at the same time, Paige tried to get AJ's trust so she could have a moment like tonight where she snapped on her and then proceeded to give her a very physical beat down the lights, which we don't usually see from the Divas division. And I appreciate that they're actually putting the thought into letting these two go out there and do stuff that we don't usually see from that division because they know that they can. Obviously, we, as we said, Battleground was a bit of an off night for them, but hopefully SummerSlam under the brighter stage there of the, and the bright lights of Los, the Los Angeles crowd there will have a much better match between those two. Yeah, and you're also going to have a heel page who from – this is the first time I've ever seen her, um, period. You know, I don't follow the indies too well, even though I'm going to PWG this coming Saturday. Uh, I thought you'd be interested in knowing that. Um, so I don't Hi. really know about her outside of, um, you know, the WWE. So I'm interested to see. I think, honestly, I think she – even in this just one instance, a heel is, is exactly what she needs to be. Now, what this is going to do is open the door for different moves, a different move set, and a different attitude inside the ring, which hopefully will translate into a better match than what we saw on Sunday or yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see that as well. And um, I want uh, this obviously means more AJ, so I'm not going to complain at all. I'm interested to see how her, how her reaction is. I don't know if we're going to get, you know, promo time or just attacks left and right like Ambrose. See, the thing about this storyline is that it's not new. We've seen this many times before, numerous times, you know, um, and, and, and it's nothing that, that is, like, mind-blowing or shocking. However, when you have people that you care about and when it's done well, it's a storyline that we allow to progress, and I think that's exactly what's going to be happening here. I'm really, really excited, both in the pants and out. Again, this is, well, it's not exactly like we've ever claimed to be a family-friendly show anyways around here. 
No, we're not. Definitely. Did you actually end up getting all the way through Battleground in time to do the reaction tonight, or are you still stuck on like one of the main event matches from from Sunday? Uh, yeah, I'm still stuck on. I'm actually stuck on the main event match. Um, but obviously, you know, I read the report. Scott Slimmer is an amazing uh, recapper, so it, it is almost like you're watching it. I didn't really uh, miss much in terms of you know not knowing what happened or not being able to talk about it. At the same time, it, it's I will you know probably catch up a little later tonight. Well. He's an amazing recapper, except when it comes to that Intercontinental title battle royal. He fucked up a little bit there. Yeah, yeah well, no, who really but... recaps battle royals? I... <laughs> yeah, I know. We've had this conversation on the reaction before where you where you said yourself that you really don't give a crap until we're down to like the final four or whatever. Right. All right, so I'm going to do a special treat here for you, Tony. All right. Usually... Usually we play the do sound effect at this point here, so that way you can kick off your first do. But since I'm actually thirsty right now, you're going to get an actual pop talk. Well, all right then. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we had a guest star today. Um, we had Flo Rider come. He's been involved with the WWE before. He's not someone that's unknown. He's a big name. Uh, not so much in the rap community, but in music in general, because uh, believe me, that is anything but rap. But he comes onto the show, he performs snippets of three songs, each of which are like more than three years old, I believe. Uh, and my question, you know, that I ask myself is, see, I'm not as offended as most people. Um, it, it was just kind of there. But the question is, what does it bring to the product, you know? And that's what you have to ask when you bring these guest stars on, when you bring these bigger names. Um, that are arguably bigger than the product itself, do they bring anything to the table? Is anybody going to actively change the channel because Flowrider is on? Is anyone going to go to the the show specifically because he's there? You know, is he a draw, basically? And my answer just continuously was no, no, no. So it's not that I'm angry that he's there taking up time that wrestlers could have had or taking up space that could have been given to somebody else or whatever it may be or that he wasn't involved in a feud or whatever. It's more of a business standpoint, and that's what I try to look at when, when you bring celebrities in here. And I just don't see the point. So did it hurt my feelings? Did it hurt me? No. But it just seemed extremely pointless, not in the fact that it was affecting other wrestlers, but in the fact that it, was, it didn't make any sense. And if their whole mindset is best for business, then what did this really do? And I'm, you know, I'm asking you as well as posing the question in general, like I just don't see what it brings. Uh, I honestly think, based on what happened, that the after effects of the segment with Stephanie's arrest, I think it was an excuse to have Stephanie McMahon out at ringside for them to be able to put everything that happened with the with the Miami Dade Police Department on camera in front of a live audience. And uh, that is me being completely honest about it. Do I think that it added anything to the show itself? No, I don't. I muted the entire performance because, frankly, I didn't care. I'm not a sty- I'm not a fan of that style of music. I'll be the first person to admit that. Anybody who knows me knows that I do not listen to much hip hop. I do much do not listen to much pop music either. And I've heard Flo Rider best described as hip hop, which is technically accurate because it's not really rapping. It's more it's more of a pop based hip hop variation. But anyways, do I think that it's going to bring people that don't normally watch the WWE to, to tune into the show? No, but at the same time, it is going to garner them mainstream publicity on publications like TMZ, 
like the uh, tabloid shows that they have there, like the uh, the online tabloids and everything too, like the Huffington Post. I could see hopping on this, as I said, TMZ hopping on this there. Um, Perez Hilton, I could see touching on this as well, and I think that's what they're looking for here is that kind of that kind of gossipy vibe that they're going to get out of this, rather than anything that wrestling fans and or Flowrider fans that might watch the show. I think they're looking more for yeah. the publicity from it. And that, that may itself. very well be the case, you know, but if we're looking at just the 10-year history of the WWE, and I could be, it's not even me being wrong, it's just another question. Has that worked at all <laughs> in the last five to 10 years as far as publicity equating to money, as far as publicity equating to more fans or a bigger fan base or anything like that? Because I just don't... Yes. It, it, And I have, it has two words to explain. I have two words to explain why I say yes. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Donald Trump. Because explain. The Donald, Trump WrestleMania, <laughs> the Donald Trump WrestleMania that he was involved with, the one with the Battle of the Billionaires, was the highest bought WrestleMania of all time. Right. But, you know, I mean, I could throw factors out like it was priced higher than most. I could throw factors out that it was, you know, it was, wasn't just Donald Trump. But I guess what I'm saying is if that's your, well, not yours, but just in general, one string of evidence, then I just don't see the point um, in bringing people like him in, like Flo Rider, like, you know, a certain, and Trump even, at least there was a feud involved. At least there was some semblance of wrestling. Um, whereas, you know, this particular occasion, and this has nothing, no negative aspects on Flo Rider. I don't dislike the guy. I don't particularly like, you know, his music. Uh, I am a huge hip-hop fan. I've had my own hip-hop column. I know very much about the culture in general, and he doesn't really fit it. However, it's not an attack on the personal, you know, on him as, a, as an artist in general. It's just, if we're wrestling fans, what does it bring to the table? And I still can't see what it brings in it's, like I said, it's not bothersome to the point where I'm going to write a lengthy column about how bad it is. But at the same time, it's not doing any good either, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm with you there, but I think I mean, you can get these situations where they can get a little bit of publicity from people appearing on the shows and stuff that they are looking for, like... Back when they were doing the raw the raw guest hosts every week and stuff, that was the main that was basically a publicity grab, and so they admitted as much there. But the thing is, is for some of them it worked, and for others it didn't. Currently here, when they're bringing these people in every now and then, it's obvious when they bring in people that are fans of the product, and when they bring in people that aren't. Flow Rider, to his credit, is a fan of the product. You can tell this because of the fact that he was working backstage again to continue his ongoing thing that he had with Heek Slater tonight that they touched on backstage. And I will give him credit for doing that there. But compare a guy, the Flow Rider, coming around to a guy like Hugh Jackman coming around and actually physically getting actively involved in front of the fans at ringside, working the audience and everything together like he did, then obviously yeah. a guy like Flow Rider's appearance can be considered a disappointment. Yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, this is a, it's a do for a reason. It's a smaller portion of the raw reaction. And like I said, it's not one of those things that, you know, we're going to harp on about forever. But it is interesting to see that they continue to bring in people from the outside world. And they've been doing this since the incarnation of WrestleMania. You know, this isn't anything new. Um, whether it's Cindy Lauper back then or Flowrider now, there's a particular uh, draw that they feel people have. So it's not anything that's going to change or go away. But it is interesting to note. 
All right, so you want to do some quick hits here, and then we'll get into the next part of Let's Talk About Raw? Sure. All right, we'll do some plugs, and then we'll get into quick hits. All right. The Raw Reaction is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Powerhouse's Powerhouse Radio, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. We are brought to you on Blog Talk Radio, of course, you're listening to us live, you know this because it's through the Blog Talk Radio, either app or website that you're listening on. But if not, and you listen to us through other means, the website for us live is www.blogtalkradio.com slash radio. In addition, I'm a part of the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook group on, well, on Facebook, obviously. Uh, I am the creator. I'm the moderator of the page. In addition, it's a place where we get a lot of guys together to talk raw, Guys and girls, actually, we have kind of a mixed crowd usually, but we get a lot of people together, we all talk raw, and it makes these things a lot of fun in order to get everybody kind of sounding off and giving their opinions and everything, and then we're able to bring you ours over a broadcast format here with the reactions. In addition, I am also the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling and Black Diamond Wrestling, and actually, I think I'm starting the next show, I think I start as a backstage interviewer as well, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what you do with 401 here, Tony, and then we'll get into the quick hits. Um, well, I'm the Raw Recapper. You know, just uh, I sit there and watch it for you, so you don't have to. No, actually, it's a fun group. Um, even though I'm writing a recap, I'd say about 80% of the comments are people just talking to each other and watching it along with me, more so than reading it. The actual report is the one that gets read. I do the Wrestling 5-in-1 this week. I uh, answered, I actually took the answers to two questions that I asked last week, and expanded on on them pretty thoroughly, um, as well as, uh, you know, gave people what they wanted in terms of Renee Young, who's on her fourth week in a row of winning the verses, which means she'll be facing one of the seven, um, you know, basically hot asses in the Hall of Bang. So check that out. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much what I do on 411, aside from being, the, you know, the resident AJ lover. And you're a Greg DeMarco guy. I am a Greg DeMarco guy. To Renee Young, we say... Because realistically speaking, what else can you say? Really? Honestly? What else is there? I was trying to see if we had a... uh, Trying to see if we had another one that would fit for that, but... Aw, put in... She's great. We, we didn't really use the soundboard last week, and I figured we should give it a little bit of love this week here. All right, let's get to quick hits, Tony. All right. The 2-on-1 handicap match that started the show, uh, Roman Reigns defeats Kane and Randy Orton. Do you think they go to Kane and Orton at SummerSlam, or do you think they go to Kane and Reigns? Uh, they're going for Orton and Reigns. Oh, Orton and Reigns. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming, especially considering the attack at the end of the show. Um, it seems kind of, I mean, I know it's not forced because they've had a lengthy storyline to do it, but it just seems like something that not many people want. Um, Kane, I don't know what he's going to do. He's probably going to float away into the sunset for no particular reason, uh, unless they want to do a triple threat between those three. I don't know if that helps or hurts Reigns, but it's something for him to do. Um, I'm thinking they're going with Reigns and uh, Orton. That's not cool. <laughs> That's for Kane, because, yeah, Kane's kind of the odd man out here, especially if they do Orton and Reigns in the singles match that had long been rumored. 
Honestly, the best way that I think to go about doing this would have been to do Orton and Kane and then do Reigns versus Triple H. Because the original rumored match for SummerSlam was Reigns and Triple H, and I think that has a lot more levity behind it now than the Orton and Reigns match would. But at the same time there, I think Orton and Reigns would actually probably be a better match than Reigns and Triple H, considering the fact that we haven't seen Triple H in the ring since, in a singles match anyway, since WrestleMania. Yeah, I would have been okay with uh, with Reigns and Triple H. I hope they still find a way to do it, but it doesn't seem like it. Maybe it's something that we do on the build-up to Reigns towards WrestleMania next year, possibly Rumble or Elimination Chamber, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, you briefly touched on it earlier. We're obviously not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. The four-on-one tag match with the uh, Eva Marie, Cameron, Alicia Fox, and... God, who who was the fourth? Rosa Mendez. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Who no, was um, looking <laughs> exception, who was looking exceptionally busty tonight, I might add, too. She has her moments. She really does. They're few and far between, but they're moments. Uh, your thoughts on the four on one? Just basically there to set up the what happened later with Bree and Stephanie and the uh the arrest angle. Yeah, it was one of those things where, like I mentioned, the brawl between AJ and Cage had much more emotion going into it. And it's, it's interesting to see how the um, the divas are kind of, it's almost like they're being booked by two different people or by two, two different storylines where they are aware of Cage and AJ's talent versus uh, the other girls who just aren't at that level. Um, and that's not their fault. They could very well be at that level. And I believe that they're giving them, at least they're giving them something. There's some semblance of storyline. But... I mean, looking at the collection, Cameron's there because she just, you know, screwed over Naomi. There's no connection between the other ones other than um, the Total Divas show. Even Marie is just just kind of always just kind of there. <laughs> like, like if you don't watch Total Divas, you would really have no idea what the hell she's doing there. Um, you know, Alicia Fox has since dropped her psycho, you know, storyline, according to reports. So, again, we don't know what her affiliation is with anybody. And the same thing with Rosa. So nobody cares about these four. Um, and, and it's surprising that people even care about Nikki. I mean, honestly, the biggest thing that happened tonight had nothing to do inside the ring and had everything to do with when Nikki fell out of the ring. Um, I mean, tonight was what? It was it was nips, flips, bad quips, and mad trips. Like, it was crazy tonight. There was uh, Nikki's boob popped out, and I believe that's the uh, saving grace of that segment. If you like Wait, boobs. what? You didn't you didn't see that? No, I didn't catch that at all. Oh well, you need to go read the four hundred one Mania Raw report and click on <laughs> a picture of boobies, the bird, and um, there'll be a nice surprise for you. <laughs> uh, leave it to me to do it on a night that Cena's not even in the building. I do this for the people. All right. <laughs> Yes, you do. All right. Uh, Bo Dallas and LeBron Sandow. Um, that was kind of predictable. I, I figured Sandow would come out, you know, with that. They had somewhat of a match. Bo won. It seemed like nobody cared about either one of them in this show, maybe because it was so stacked with certain other things. But this was minimal, and, and I, I don't – I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but I'm really losing interest in Sandow, and that's really sad. Um – See, to me, Sandow can do no wrong. He's taking the crap that they're giving him and he's making it work. And, uh, we, we've long established the fact that I'm pro Sandow on here, so well, I don't need to get in, we don't need to get into it again. But at the same time there, with 
with Sandow and Bo Dallas here. It was, I think the reason the fans were kind of on their hands the entire time is because they weren't sure who to cheer or who to root for. Because both of these guys are technically heels. They've established Bo as a heel from him trucking El Torito on Raw a couple weeks ago, which still to me is a babyface movie. It was freaking hysterical. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a funny, uh, fun, funny that you should mention that because I thought the same thing while watching. Like, as, as, as funny as Sandow can be, as awesome as Bo Dallas' character can be, this little segment right here, who were we supposed to care or not care about? <clears throat> who was the heel? Who was the face? And where, where, where is that dynamic? And sometimes that dynamic isn't necessary if you have strong characters. But Sandow isn't a character right now. He's a caricature of characters. And Bo Dallas is still trying to find his footing. So I think that this small segment hurt both of them more than it helped anyone else. I would agree with that, especially given the fact that there was almost no reaction at all to the pinfall by Dallas. There, The only people that were really responding once the pinfall went down was the announcers. Saying something tonight, considering we had a very hot crowd in Miami tonight, i got to say I was very impressed with the way that Miami audience performed tonight compared to the Tampa True. Bay audience from the night before at Battleground. Tonight and Sunday night were kind of an example of what happens when you have a lively crowd and what happens when you have a dead crowd. I think the dead crowd for Battleground actually hurt that show, whereas I think tonight's live audience, the fact that they were hyped up for pretty much everything, really helped Monday Night Raw go by a lot quicker than the three hours usually does. Yeah. Um, there were segments of tonight that I wasn't okay with. Not, They were kind of like, eh, but for the most part, I don't know if it was just a rebound of energy that came through certain segments or if it was just a matter of you take the good with the bad and put it all together. But, yeah, I was okay with it. <laughs> Uh, the birth of the new nation. Uh, your thoughts? Weird. Um, I don't watch TNA, but I hear that this might be some semblance of a copycat thing going on. Um, you know, Xavier Woods came out looking like a Black Brother Love or, you know, a little bit Colonel Sanders looking. It, it I made like that exact could, joke on yes. Yeah, it could work. I don't know if it will. Um, he came out of nowhere, which was weird. This could have been a backstage thing. This could have been him, you know, some, something else. Some, I don't know. They needed a bridge from the loss to that exact moment. Um, you can't say you're being cheated when you lost clean. Um, you know, there, so there's a lot of little minor things that they – it felt rushed. It felt like they threw it out there because they want to do something by, before summer's gone. This thing could have legs. We've seen stuff like this before. Again, um, it could have legs. Kofi being – I'm going to assume that they're going heel with this, all right? You can't have a racist militant group be face because I don't think that they're good enough to do that, <laughs> especially when the race is black. All right, you can do it with, uh, you know, um, you can do it with Rusev. You can He's be, doing all right. You can, you can be a xenophobic American, but if you're black, you're screwed. Yeah, pretty much, and I don't see them being able to write well enough to get out of that stigma. So it's a very dangerous um, arena that they're working in, and they can make it as good or as bad as they want it to. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I think they have the right players. I've never really experienced Xavier Woods on the microphone, so I'm hoping he can do this whole MLK slash militant leader type role. It's one of those throwing my hands up in the air and saying, we'll see. Uh, the line that I saw on Yes that I thought was appropriate here was Malcolm and Xavier which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> so we'll move on. 
move on from that there. Hopefully they'll go a little bit further going forward here. And the thing that interests me the most about this, and I don't know if it's the same for you for here, have we ever seen Kofi Kingston as a heel? Never. That's the uh, thing that interests me most about this is can Kofi pull off being a heel? Yeah, he did some, you know, vehicular damage, a um, little bit of, <clears throat> you know, vandalism, but that's about it. Yeah, but that was to Orton, who everybody hated at the time, so he kind of got a pass for that. <laughs> True. All right, the last thing to touch on here in quick hits is Rusev and Kali. Um, a, did you see the bump Swagger took into the ring post at Battleground? Yes. Do you think it was legitimate? Um, uh, mm, no, nah, I think it was just sold really well. Um, I hope not. <laughs> I I hope not as well. But he snapped that ring post awfully freaking hard, so I wouldn't be surprised if he did have a legitimate concussion from last night. But the thing is, is it would be kind of ironic given what he did to Wade Barrett too. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if uh, if he's hurt, that sucks. He was in a really hot feud right now, and I expected it to, to I expected it to continue tonight. But there was really not not much of a mention other than the recap, um, and he didn't show up. So honestly, there was a moment well, in time when I thought that Kali was out there to squash Rusev, and I know I was completely wrong, and I don't know if anybody felt this way, but because of the possible backlash and all that other crap, I for a second I was like, ah shit, they're gonna feed him to Kali. Thankfully, I was wrong, and it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Perfect. Swagger was actually, Cole actually announced that Swagger was ruled out of action by the WWE medical doctor. Damn it. Well, let's hope that's so he would not. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing that makes me worry that he may have actually, he may have actually, it looked bad. It looked like he face planted that ring post really hard. Which, let this be a lesson to everybody. Get your hands up. Anyways. <laughs> Whenever you um, run into a ring post, folks, put your hands up. Yes, anything really. If you can use your hands to protect your head in any part of your life, do so. You only get one brain. Take care of it. Do, 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 do. Sure. Do you have more do you know, NBC? Yep. Anywho. Thought it was funny to me. Anyways, um, back to Rusev and Kali here. Ah, the thought briefly went through my mind that, oh, crap, they're killing the Rusev gimmick. And especially okay. when Kali cut off Lana before she could do anything resembling a promo like she usually does. Now, they went kind of the cheap heat route that, or there last night when they did the You Blame Russia for Current Events thing. They issued a statement right. that Lana wasn't talking about the Malaysian Airlines flight, but, yeah, she probably was. Yeah, most likely. And yeah, that's I, I, when when you cut Lana. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought that. I really did think they were pulling the plug. But then they had the thing where they actually had Kali tap out in the middle in the accolade as well. And hopefully, if Swagger's good to go, we'll see him back for SmackDown or next week for Raw. We can continue to build for these two towards SummerSlam because I honestly think that a flag match between those two at SummerSlam would be entertaining to watch at the very least, if not something of a train wreck. Yeah, well, I think that they are capable of putting together a really good match without flags, but I could see why that would be implemented into their storyline 
and it'd be one of the rare occasions where I'd be okay with it. Well, and the other thing is, is this is a way to have Rusev lose without putting a pinfall loss on him, too. Mm-hmm. And you can have the SummerSlam moment of Swagger standing center ring waving old glory with the uh, with either the real American music or you could even bust out the national anthem in the background as Swagger celebrates as well. There, No harm, no foul towards as, Rusev because he doesn't need a pinfall victory. As he celebrates in the beautiful, beautiful city of Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. West Coast Marks. Where? <laughs> hey, Tony, let's talk about Raw. All right. We're actually a little bit which is weird for us. But anyways, the main event match this evening was Dean Ambrose and Cesaro. Uh, your thoughts on the match itself and whether or not you could A, see a program for these two going forward given the finish of this match, and B, whether you think Cesaro going on to his own for a while now is Heyman is back with the Conqueror for this run that he has coming up with Cena. You know, before I go into what I want to say, I want you to repeat yourself one more time. Can you please tell me what the main event was? Dean Ambrose versus Cesaro. Yeah. Tell me that isn't fucking awesome. The main event of Monday Night (laughs) Raw was Dean Ambrose versus Cesaro. I'm right there with you. Wow. Okay. I mean, like I've said many times, I don't follow the indies as much as I would like to. Um, I'm not there as much as I want to be. Over in California, I go to a lot. Um, I'm actually, I help out a lot in one, in one federation, and I, wa- I go to PWG when I can. But it doesn't change the fact that I know where these guys have come from and how much they've done to get to the WWE, let alone the main event of the show. And, I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool to see. The match itself was pretty damn awesome. I don't know if there's going to be a program because it looks like uh, Ambrose is going to be sticking with Seth Rollins for a while, which I'm okay with. I really am. But, you know, Cesaro, we've been worried about him. We've been worried about whether or not he's going to be getting his push or if he's being not being protected anymore or whatever it may be. But him standing alongside Triple H, being a possible plan, you know, whatever, um, it, it, it gave me a little bit more hope that it all, not all hope is lost, that he's, he's going to be something pretty soon, if not, you know, eventually. And, you know, I just got to applaud both of them for making it to the main event, as well as putting on a damn good show. I mean, what people don't really realize, and what I thought about a lot while watching this match, is just how much stamina you need to have an entire match like they did without the necessity of excessive rest holds. I mean, Ambrose is a nut. I didn't see him slow down once, <laughs> you know, and Cesaro is a beast. So both of them in there, watching this match as a fan, you kind of forget that these guys have to be in impeccable shape in order to do what they're doing. And watching this and realizing that really just, it made me appreciate everything that they did um, a lot more. So this match was really important as, in terms of a viewership. I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to add two things to your point there. We also saw both of them bust out something that we don't usually see in the main event scene anymore either. You saw Cesaro use that suplex from the ring to the floor where he was standing on the floor and pulled Ambrose out through the middle rope. How yeah. cool did that look? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then you had you had the uh, DQ finish here, which a lot of times people will give crap about, but here I think it made sense here because you don't want to, you don't want to bury Cesaro. You don't want to have to have him eat a, eat a loss to Ambrose here. 
You can't have Ambrose lose to Cesaro when you want to keep Ambrose fresh for the feud that's upcoming with Seth Rollins here. And see, I think there's going to be a lot more going forward between these two. I don't think we've seen the last of Ambrose and Cesaro, and especially not given the way that the match could end the way that it did with Ambrose using the chair on Cesaro. And I think Cesaro would be the perfect guy to keep Ambrose preoccupied so that way Rollins would eventually be able to cash in his money in the bank briefcase because that's something we've discussed here on the reaction before is what are the possible ways for them to keep Ambrose away from Rollins to keep Rollins from cashing in his briefcase. And Cesaro would be a perfect guy in the authority storyline there to help out with being their muscle, being their heavy, to be the guy to keep Ambrose away from Rollins and or Rollins' attempts at cashing in for the title. Yeah, and um, I mean, both these guys are awesome. They're hopefully the future of the company. They're fresh faces. It would be a fresh feud, and um, it, it not only does it keep them busy, it keeps them in a program that I think everyone would be interested in. Exactly here. It's a case of it's a case of keeping Cesaro fresh in everybody's mind, despite the fact that he did not win the Intercontinental title at the Battle Royal. It's a way to keep Ambrose in everybody's mind because he's the one, to me, coming out of the shield breakup the best so far because he has the most definable character out of the three. And it's a way to keep them apart from each other tonight but still continue to build to their storyline by letting everybody know that Ambrose is a lunatic who will not stop until he gets what he wants, and that is Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. All right. Pulling up the soundboard here. So the the next thing I wanted, okay, uh, Battleground, Miz won the Battle Royal. For those that don't know, he's now the Intercontinental Champion. He came out with a slightly altered entrance, wearing all white, save for sunglasses that were black, and his belt. The dude looked fresh, all right? I'll give him that. He looked pretty badass. And then Dolph comes out, which is his opponent for the night. They have a match which starts off relatively sloppy, um, not sloppy in the sense of they didn't know what they were doing. There was just a few miscommunications and Dolph nearly killing himself with the damn ring post. Um, but after the commercial break, they came back, and it was pretty awesome. It was a really good match. Now, what this meant to me, hopefully, uh, because not only was it a good match, but Dolph Ziggler won. <laughs> so so it, was really, it, was, it was one of, I believe, two shocking wins of the night, which I believe you'll get to later on. Um, but it was nice to see. Yeah. It, was, it was refreshing, and the crowd really fell for it and loved it. So does this mean that there's going to be a program with Miz and um, um, Dolph? Because uh, if it is, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, according to what we had been hearing, the, the talk going around was that Miz was going to continue his feud with Sheamus. But apparently... Right. Apparently, they're going to move Sheamus and Miz away from each other here, and they're going to move Miz and Ziggler into this into the angle here at SummerSlam because I remember reading on 401 earlier today, actually, that the plan was to eventually get to Miz and Ziggler, and maybe they're going to find something different for Sheamus to do now for SummerSlam and actually go with, technically speaking, trying to do the Hollywood Miz thing in Los Angeles, defending the Intercontinental title against a guy like Ziggler, who is the, per- the perfect personification of the Los Angeles attitude. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, no, I really am excited. I, I'm hoping that um, that they continue with the program. And uh, you know, the the only bad thing about the Hollywood attitude in LA is the fact that the LA crowds kind of suck. And yeah, I know I'm a part of it, but yeah, they're not as vocal as one would want them to be. So I don't know how well it's going to go over or how well it's not going to go over. Um, you know, everybody hates each other over here. 
So, so Miz is just one of the one think, of the many. I was going to say, do you think it's the time difference? Maybe the fact that the shows are starting at five o'clock out there that's causing the crowds to not quite be as involved as they would be for a traditional pay per view. Not really. I think it's just you know, there's always at least in the attitude. I'm not trying to get too psychologically sound in all of this, but there's always the attitude that you know you're being watched and you can't be as happy as you want to be. I mean, I've been to many, many crowds, and the, the most exciting ones here in California are the ones in the Indies. True, some of them get a little bit overzealous and need to shut up, but but they're, they're at the at the larger stage. I don't know. It's it's a it. I guess it's just. From what I've seen, from every SummerSlam that I've been to since it's been in L.A., um, the biggest pop I remember vividly is when The Undertaker returned and took Slam CM Punk. Um, it was when he was facing Jeff Hardy in the main event for the title, and then The Undertaker hey, just showed up. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the one that I remember where the crowd, including myself, went nuts. And But since then, it's I don't know. They're kind of like... If I were to give them a score, it would be like a C plus, B minus in terms of crowd, you know, especially considering the stuff that we saw tonight, that crowd was on it, you know, for the most part. Um, I think awesome is being overused, but, uh, so yeah, I don't, uh, going back to what, what what we were talking about, yeah, I don't know exactly how well the crowd is going to be, but I'm excited to see if there's been any alterations, you know, if some of these kids have grown up a little bit. <laughs> Well, one of the things that you pointed out in the report and something that we noticed as well on the uh, Yes thread about Raw was that you could very loudly hear Miz calling spots tonight, and hopefully that's something that they can iron out the details for going into the SummerSlam match if it does happen that way. Right. Yeah, that was a very – it was very um, – I don't want to say it was bothersome because, you know, to the live crowd, you can't hear anything they're saying. It's only us, the TV viewing audience, that saw and heard everything. But it was really loud. It was it was really loud, really continuous, and and it was kind of a, you know, when you hear you know famous or do the famous or, and then he does it, it's kind of telegraphing the emotion that you feel behind the possibility of that being the finish. Um, of course, that's me being a jaded wrestling writer online and you know, thinking I know more than than I really do. But at the same time, you're you're opening the door to a, a room that you want to keep shut, and you're doing it really loudly. Exactly, and the other thing that uh, you wanted that you pointed out as well was the uh, the flapjack into the ring post there. Yeah. And I don't know how much of the how much of the thread you saw on yes because you were busy doing the recap on four one one there. But I think my exact comment to that was, Jesus, Dolph, even by your standards, that was a dumb bump. <laughs> it was just really scary. Like it was. I mean, he protected he himself. Bodied. Yeah, he used his hands like you told him to, um, but it was still like, man, <laughs> calm down. We, you know, we appreciate you. We don't want you to be injured. Yeah, it's a, to me. It was a case of if you're gonna if you're gonna take a bump like that, you save that for a bigger match. And this is something that we've talked about before here with uh, Biggie Spear and the Ring Apron. Right. If you're going to do a bump like that, it's something that you want to save for a bigger match and a bigger moment, not necessarily a throwaway match to set up something going forward. That's a pay-per-view or on another episode of Monday Night Raw to me. All right, you ready for a quick break here, Tony? Yeah, I'm going to need a break real quick. That's cool. That'll work. All right, you can get your phone a little bit more charged. I can go get myself some ice cream because my throat is dry. And... We will be right back with more of the Raw Reaction here on Powerhouse Radio right after this. <laughs> 
Where is that Triple H theme song? One, two, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that Triple H.
I'm curious as to how much time Ryder has left on his contract, and if it's not enough time at all, I wonder if TNA is still going to be in business to sign him once his contract expires, because I think he could be a definite <laughs> revenue boost to TNA as far as merchandise goes, but we won't get into that too much right here, because this is a raw reaction, not the TNA implosion. Did you see that story real quick here? Because I'm, I'm going to divert for a quick second here. Did you see that story about how Spike TV is pissed off that Dixie Carter tries to hide the fact that Vince Russo was on the payroll? Uh, no, I didn't see that. I really don't pay much attention to anything TNA-related. But that is, that's really interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> it, I, it took everything I had not to quote Grease right there. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> No, seriously. Um, yeah, apparently Dixie was trying to hide the fact to um, both her father and to Spike TV, as well as to Wrestle One, that Vince Russo was still involved with TNA as far as the creative side of things there. And Wrestle One and Spike TV were not happy about it from what I saw. It's, it was either on, I don't remember if it was on 411 that I saw this or on Scott's RSPW blog. Hmm. Former, okay. one of you. One of your former co-workers at 411, Scott Keith. I don't know if he was still around by the time you started. He might not have been. No, he wasn't. I remember the IP split. Yeah, I didn't know if the IP split had happened before your time started with 411 or not. So. Mhm. All right. Did you enjoy your break there? Enjoyed the Triple H and the Ryback music. (laughs) I'm willing to bet you forgot to get yourself something to drink, didn't you? Mm, maybe. Well, you're in luck. Nice. All right, so, um, you know, the the Brie, Nikki, Stephanie storyline hit a big moment tonight. Huge moment. Um, Stephanie McMahon got arrested, okay? And she... Well, I mean, okay. Here's here's the 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 big thing here with this with this whole segment was that did it go on too long? Honestly, I think it did. But did I care? Not really. And I read certain comments about how this shouldn't be what's focused on. That we well, once again, wrestlers are losing time to focus on a story with Stephanie versus a model. Blah blah blah. We gotta face it, guys. Bree and Nikki are wrestlers. They've been training to do this. They are you know, in relationships with wrestlers. Maybe they're not as good as what we want them to be. But the last couple of matches that I've seen, they're, they're not as bad as we, we think they are either. Um, it's all a matter of how much time they're given and who's backing them up. So, anyways, this storyline has hit a point where um, we're eventually getting to that return of, uh, return of Brie, which is fine by me. Um, but <laughs> after Steph was arrested, every comment she made was hilarious. She played the the titular woman with power role so great. And she even broke down, you know, saying how scared she was and how how afraid she was feeling at that moment. Um, I think everything that Steph did, even if it went on a little too long, was great. Honestly, the only person that didn't do too well in the role was Triple H, um, making a joke about the car being hybrid. That didn't fit the emotional pull at that moment at all. And he does that a lot. But that's really small in comparing, when comparing it to the entire segment as a whole. Um, I, I don't know where this is going, other than I know that Bree's going to eventually come back. Remember last week we talked about the possibility of a Bella versus Bella feud. Um, I think that at least right now is out the window. I think they're going more with bringing Bree back and possibly getting Steph involved somehow. 
But I don't know. What did you think? Did you think it went on too long? Did you like the segment? Do you think it was too campy or, you know, because the detectives, I mean, they were horrible. Yeah, that's kind of been an extra in wrestling problem for a while and the fact that they put him in a role like a detective role or something like tonight and the ham level goes way through the roof. But yeah. um, I think the reason that tonight happened the way that it did is because of kind of something that we discussed here on the reaction before and what a lot of people thought that they might be trying to do originally, which was Bella versus Bella. I think tonight was creative's way to get everybody out of that mindset and let everybody know, no, this is going towards Bree and Stephanie. So, do I think that this will lead to them at SummerSlam? Well, if you believe the rumors, yes. There's talk going around that the match has been pulled, but apparently this is going to kind of put it back on the table for SummerSlam as well, and... I saw a bunch of people questioning rather or not why they would let this match happen. And the thing to me is, and as I said this in the yes thread as well, is that regardless of what you feel about them personally, when it comes to the matches, the McMahons always find a way to deal entertaining crap when it comes to their matches. And the mm-hmm. classic case that I gave to that was Shane, but at the same time, if you look back and you go back to No Way Out in 2001 and Stephanie's match with Trish, nobody was expecting anything out of that match, and those two ended up putting on one of the better matches on the card, probably the second-best match behind Triple H and Austin's three stages of hell match that night. Yeah, they have a knack for entertainment. Um, maybe not creating it, but being a part of it, they've always uh, they've always been spot on. Whether it's Vince's bloody face popping up from the ring apron, Shane McMahon going through a glass plate, or Stephanie winning the women's title, they they tend to really bring something to the table that is fun. So I'm interested to see if there's going to be an actual match or if she's going to get someone to take a place for her. I don't know. It's been getting real physical, so I assume it'll lead to something. But I don't know. It was one of those moments where I don't know if I'm forgiving because I don't think I have to forgive since it was entertaining. And the crowd was in it. I mean... You know, let alone the dude that was sitting next to Brie who went all crazy when she said bitch. Um, <laughs> according to a, a commenter on the report, he's actually a, a well-known referee in an indie fed. So maybe, I don't know if he's a plan or not. I really don't think so. But he was, whether he was or not, that reaction was priceless. It was hilarious. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to go with that he is a plant, and I'm going to give you an example as to why. Do you remember the SummerSlam where Mark Henry and Sheamus faced and Henry put Sheamus through the barricade? Yeah. And the fact that they had independent wrestlers sitting all around that area to ensure that no actual fans got hurt in the making of that, in, a, in the in the creation of that particular finish. Because mm, yeah. I specific, because I specifically remember Joey Ryan losing his shit when Henry put Sheamus through the barricade. <laughs> And that makes me think that given the fact that there was going to be physical inv- uh, physical involvement with a member of the audience, and I used air quotes there even though nobody can see them because we're on radio and I'm an idiot, but because there was going to be physical involvement with a member of the audience, I think that they actually put workers over there in order to prevent any potential any potential liabilities of having a fan accidentally get in the way and end up getting kicked or stepped on or hit in the aftermath of what happened there, especially when... Bree started kicking and scratching at the security guard trying to get across the barricade at Stephanie after Stephanie slapped her. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the guy's reaction was priceless, and I hope he gets something out of it. If he was a plant and is some semblance, you know, of the indies, then I hope he gets something out of it somehow. I put him in the column. At the... 
And at the, at the very least, we got a nice front row seat for Raw. Yeah. So, you know, he's got that going for him, at least. Um, do we have anything else to touch on tonight, Tony? Oh, yes, we do. Um, there's there's a little bit, uh, you know, this, this thing that Triple H decided upon, or actually was kind of thrown into his lap. I wouldn't say he made the decision, but... Uh, I, I think the guy that made that decision was the one behind the ones in 21 and 1. Yes. You'll notice that they never point that out. He's the one behind the one for the loss, but he's also the one behind the one in the win column as well. Yes. But anyways, yeah, so there was this whole thing where Triple H decided to announce Cena's SummerSlam opponent tonight. You'll notice that it was a refreshing change with Cena not there tonight. And I, I, I have nothing against Cena personally, but... At the same time, I think his presence not being around the show tonight actually brought the quality of everybody stepping up their game tonight with him not in the building. And then you have the Mike God that is Paul Heyman working his magic, especially after the announcement was made. And what we all knew was going to happen happened. And we officially announced John Cena and Brock Lesnar too for SummerSlam, this time to the WWE World Heavyweight title. Uh, three questions here, Tony. Mm-hmm. One, your thoughts on Paul Heyman's promo. Okay. Um the promo the promo it started off very basic, one note and a bit repetitive. And then Heyman just hit this stride. And once he hit that stride, I was like, Son of a bitch, he's doing it again. The whole Pledge of Allegiance that he did, the whole everything that he said, the fact that he meant he, he mentioned specifically the fact that the crowd chants and boos it's half and half, and he's not here to please either side. Um, that was almost necessary because it's what was going to happen. Brock was going to get cheered, and he's probably still going to get cheered. But mentioning that it's not going to matter um, and mentioning that essentially they're ending the ring that is Cena, not for anyone but themselves, um, it was a really important and pretty awesome promo, especially near the end, I think. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Heyman, the the pledge especially, because that right there was Paul Heyman at his finest. That was him weaving a tapestry of words in order to tie together his point there with Brock Lesnar and John Cena. And especially the fact with under a C-Nation divided there, which is kind of how it's been for the longest time with Cena. And you've had other people bring up this point there, but nobody expand upon it quite the way that Paul Heyman did tonight. Right. Uh, one of the guys. One of the guys on Yes said this was one of the better promos in the WWE since the 2000 infamous 2011 CM Punk promo. I don't know if I'd go that far, but even by Paul Heyman standards, this was really good tonight. Two. Do you like the tease of Randy Orton coming to the ring before Roman Reigns takes him out there in order to kind of delay what we thought was the inevitable? Yes, um, they've been doing this recently, like with Jericho's return. Um, as another example, where they're not... See, I can't say that they're trolling us, because I don't think it's done out of spite. It's the fact that they have to find new ways to surprise us, and I love that they're trying to. Um, in this day and age where we, we, the IWC, pretty much know or think we know everything that's coming, where we already knew Brock was going to be there, this was a moment where it wasn't a slap in the face. It was like, oh, you son of a bitch. 
you got me, only for them to get you again, and you get what was expected, but not without them throwing a surprise out there. It's a little semblance of control that I think any product that we watch needs. Otherwise, we won't be surprised. And as much as we like to know what's going on, I think there's a lot more credibility and a lot more fun in being surprised. So seeing Randy Orton come down and then seeing that bad tease go away was both um, – it was it was a little bit, you know, jarring. And then it was fun. It was exciting. I think the tease was nice at first, but I think they could have gone about that in a better manner there. And the fact that they took too long in Orton actually taking his time to get down to the ring. If you're going to do something like that, done, that would have been to have Reigns come through the crowd and attack Orton on the stage, I think. Because allowing Orton to get his full entrance just seemed kind of like they were stalling for time and before Paul Heyman came out. Because you'll notice that Heyman ended up going like four or five minutes after the Raw, the Raw ending time. And if you would have cut Orton's entrance short there by having Reigns attack him earlier in the intro, you would have ended Raw exactly right on top, right on schedule. Yeah. Part well, number three. <laughs> I mean, I had nothing against the fact that Reigns and Orton officially solidified the fact that they're probably going to be in the ankle for SummerSlam. And hopefully we'll find Kane involved as well. Honestly, I wouldn't mind a triple threat between the three of them like you mentioned earlier in the show. But anyways, mm-hmm. back to the... Uh, Back to the third question here is, what is your expectations for Cena Lesnar 2 with SummerSlam? Um, hopefully it's better than the last time we saw them. You know, I didn't like their last match. Um, I didn't like the decision for Cena to win. I didn't like – I really didn't enjoy it. So I'm hoping there's something different here. Um, I, I assume that it'd be more wrestling, less, you know, hardcore antics like the last one, which I think hurt um, more than helped. Uh, I, I'm, I, I don't expect – Greatness, but I do expect Brock to win. I do expect a good match. Um, and it, at the very least, it's going to be a spectacle. Brock is still um, a uh, mystical creature, if you will. He's he's not. He's a special attraction. And um, you know, as much as we may not like the fact that if he is champion, he's not going to be wrestling on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis, maybe even a monthly basis. But we're hoping. I'm hoping it's a means to an end. So I'm excited for it. Uh, you see, we're actually going to disagree here because I've really enjoyed the Extreme Rules 2012 match. I mean, I disagree with the finish, but I understand why they went the route that they did with it, especially given the fact that Cena had just lost to the Rock at WrestleMania and they wanted to give him, give him a win back against solid competition in order to continue him going forward. Because if I'm not mistaken... I think he was back in the title picture at either the next pay-per-view or the pay-per-view after that. If I recall correctly, I'm going to have to consult my almanacs and look into this and be sure here. But I know that he came back around the title picture around the time after he got done with his match with Lesnar. So you can't have him lose the match to Lesnar and then get himself reinvolved in the title picture. Now, that being said, I agree with the fact that I don't know if they're necessarily going to incorporate as many weapons into this match because, as I said, the match was at Extreme Rules and it was the no-holds-barred match there. But Brock's best matches since he's come back have all been under those kind of stipulations where there's been no rules, there's been nothing to contain the madness that is Brock Lesnar. And I think that's one of the reasons you watch Brock Lesnar because you don't know what he's going to do. It's kind of the shock and awe that's involved with the character. I'm looking forward to the match, and I'm curious as to see... I'm curious to see if they're going to have the courage to actually put the title on Lesnar, which has been rumored for a while, 
But the thing is, is I don't know if they want to find themselves in the same situation that they did with The Rock, where the title is on a part-time performer that's not going to be in all the shows, that's not going to be able to go to the house shows and defend the title, especially now that they only have the one title. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see Brock Lesnar, WWE World Heavyweight Champion? I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Um, I think we are. I think they're going to. I think they're going to do it. Do I? Do I want them to? I don't really know. I haven't made a decision on it, but I think they're going that. They're going to go that route. All right, and then part two of this question would be: is if they do give Lesnar the belt, ideally, who do you see Lesnar dropping the title to? Oh, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Um, of course, that's wishful thinking. That's a hopeful um, thought, more so than a, a sure, you know, mention. But I don't know. I, I think it would be really, really interesting to see him take that uh, take that win. Unbelievable, actually. <laughs> I would definitely see a massive crowd reaction here, but unfortunately, I just don't think Daniel Bryan is going to be healthy enough to be able to fit the the time frame needed in order to take this belt off a Lesnar, especially if they only have a limited amount of dates left with him for this particular calendar year going in towards mm-hmm. next year's WrestleMania. Um, we're still working on getting a soundbite for this, so once we get that taken care of, we will be playing the soundbite beforehand, but it's time for the final reaction. You want to go first or second, Tony? Um, I'll go first. I I think that this Raw was heading into relatively negative, you know, um, grade scale, but there was a few segments that brought it up, so I'll give it a B minus. Uh, anything particular that stood out to you the most? Like what well, was yeah, your I biggest think highlight? What was your biggest low light? Ambrose and Cesaro definitely not only because they were in the main event, but they put on a pretty good match. Uh, Dolphin Miz, their second half was pretty solid, and Steph and um, the entire segment there with. You know, she did really well. I think she, her power plays are awesome. I'll have your badge. You know how powerful I am in this city. Everything she said was so McMahon-like. It was, it was great. Um, I'm actually with you here, but I'm going to go a little bit higher. I think tonight's episode of Raw was a definite B. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm going to go a little bit higher here is because I think that tonight was an excellent bounce back from what I said at the start of the show was a rather status quo battleground pay-per-view. And the main thing for me about the Battleground pay-per-view wasn't so much the fact that Cena retained, because Cena retaining was a necessary evil. It wasn't the fact that Jericho beat Wyatt, even though Wyatt needed to win, because Jericho and Wyatt are clearly going to be going forward here. The main thing for me for Battleground here, and I saw other people talk about this here, but I still feel the need to harp upon this, is the fact that they promised Seth Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and then they did not deliver it. And I think that match right there is the one that a lot of people were tuning into the show to see. And by pulling that match there, even if they're saving it in order to do a, def- a better version of it, coming with uh, even to do a better version of it coming up at SummerSlam here with some kind of added stipulation, possibly even putting Seth's Money in the Bank briefcase on the line there, which I think would be an excellent way to draw even more heat towards that match there, is if you're not going to deliver that match, then why advertise it? Why not just continue the slow burn there? And have Rollins backstage, and have him get attacked by Ambrose without having any kind of a uh, any kind of a match set up between the two of them. There, but Ambrose could Rollins could just be backstage there as Triple H's guest because we know he's doing the dirty work of the Authority with the Money in the Bank briefcase. So, what reason is there for him not to be backstage? And then you can continue to do the segments that we had there, 
you can have Rollins come out to the ring still, but just not have him announced as a winner. Just have him come out to the ring and threaten the briefcase and then have reverse attack him at ringside as well. And then in addition, doing the parking lot attack as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was the big thing for me. Is I felt that it, disappointing on the Ambrose and Rollins front. And they, again, a lackluster crowd hurt the show as well, but tonight's crowd was very solidly into the show there. We got a lot of really good reactions. We got a lot of Really good crowd interaction as well there with the fans being really into the matches as well. And in addition, we saw several key storylines get pushed forward. Bree and Stephanie, Miz and Ziggler, Lesnar Cena we set the road for for SummerSlam, Orton and Reigns by the looks of things here. Uh, Rusev continues to look strong there, even though they couldn't have Swagger on television tonight because of, because of the medical thing there with Swagger. But we'll probably still see Rusev and Swagger going forward as well. The official turn of Paige on AJ there, which I know we'll make sure that AJ's okay for you, Tony. Oh, she's fine. <laughs> Why am I telling you we'll make sure you're okay? You're, you've probably already talked to her twice and texted her the entire show. That's why your battery's dead, isn't it? Yes. So I'm going to give the show a B, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they follow up on this next week on the Raw, on, on WWE's Monday. I almost said next week on the Raw Reaction. We'll see how we <laughs> follow up next week on the Raw Reaction. We'll see how they follow up next week on Monday Night Raw. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Tony? Nope, that's it. All right, he's Tony Acero from 411 Mania. I'm Harry Broadhurst to Black Diamond Wrestling and Real Action Pro Wrestling. Remember, our buddies over at Wrestling to the Max celebrate their 100th episode tomorrow night at 8 p.m. on Spreaker in addition to their Wrestling to the Max Facebook group as well. You can find them there. In addition, I'm sure Sean, Paul, or Gary will post a link in the yes thread as well. Uh, That's going to do it for us here. As I said, he's Tony. I'm Harry. We'll see you next week, July 28th, for the Raw Reaction. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Presentation of Powerhouse Radio. www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com Join us tomorrow night on Powerhouse Radio for the Greg DeMarco Show.